the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Hat tips to Mr. Bill, David Dahl, and Terry. I want to start a little differently today based on some thoughts I had on my early Dagny walk this morning. I read an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal by a man of clear and high intelligence. His bio simply states he is a neurologist and a neuroscientist, and I so very much wanted to agree with him, but I could not. And on my morning constitutional with the Wonder Dog, I was thinking about, A, how happy the canine was in her element, taking in all the smells she likes to, flexing her hind leg muscles, doing her routine, and yet, B, how very many serious problems and threats we in the human species face. So if you'll allow, I constructed a little prayer that I think I want to start every day, every morning with, and I will share it with you here before we go on. And I'm not evangelizing, just stating what I'm thinking, saying, and doing. The prayer is imperfect, but it is this. Dear God, thank you for getting us through yesterday with all its challenges. As we propel our efforts in public policy, help us always be aware we are working for you and your people and your creation. Help us ensure our efforts are centered on kindness and love, two of the most important things you want from us. And thank you for my friends, without whom I simply could not go on. They are my daily blessings. Help me be better in recognizing that and returning that favor, those blessings. In your name I pray, amen. I'm not fully certain why I decided to open today's monologue with a prayer or even this one, but it had been on my mind all morning, especially after taking in all the news I was taking in, from the border issues to world issues to other domestic issues. And this one particular op-ed in the journal I could not shake, so thank you for indulging me. The op-ed is by one Michael Siegel. It is titled, Woke Students Will Outgrow It. Intersectionality has thrived on campus, but it won't survive now that it's being exposed to sunlight. Close quote. That's the title. Dr. Siegel begins his piece where I did my monologue yesterday with the polls showing a majority of young adults support the proposition that Hamas should defeat Israel. He then writes, quote, the most significant change in students' moral philosophy in recent years has been the popularity of an identity-based ideology known as intersectionality that demands special privileges for all groups deemed oppressed. Intersectionality creates a pecking order with blacks, Muslims, and LGBTs on top and whites, East Asians, and Jews on the bottom. The result is a zany coalition in which gay-hating Islamic supremacists and gay intersectionality devotees go to the same demonstrations, and groups emerge that sound like parodies, such as Queers for Palestine. Nutty ideas persist longer than they used to, he continues, because ideas can dwell in the safe spaces of like-minded groups on the Internet. But to have an effect on real life, ideas need to emerge from the shadows, and they may not survive. As Louis Brandeis observed, sunlight is said to be the best 
of disinfectants, close quote. Pardon my quoting at length, but I think it's important. The doctor continues, quote, don't expect that the identity-based views now emerging into the sunlight will flourish. Such approaches haven't fared well in the U.S. We defeated white supremacy and enshrined identity-blind principles of equality in the 14th Amendment and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Many people assume that the ideology of the young is a predictor of the future, but students grow up. They start out as pacifists until they realize that other people want to kill them. They start out as socialists until they realize that socialism brings economic ruin. In the real world, they learn through experience and exposure to other viewpoints that many policies that sound nice lead to terrible consequences, close quote. He also wrote of the exposure of the problem with our universities by the now famous testimony of the presidents of Harvard, Penn, and MIT as predictive of a great awakening to the rot at our campuses. I simply wish he were right in his optimism. I don't think he is. For one, not even the college president's example holds up. The Harvard Corporation voted unanimously to retain President Claudine Gay and euphemized in order to pardon an additional series of indictments against her that usually constitute felonies in an academic environment, plagiarism, and multiple examples of it. The corporation issued a statement stating what they found was, quote, a few instances of inadequate citation, close quote, and that President Gay was, quote, proactively requesting four corrections in two articles, close quote. First, it was it was all more than a few, and it was more than four, which is also more than a few. So never mind the internal and simultaneous contradictions. Second, in no way, shape, or form is any of this actually proactive, as the Harvard letter states. Her actions were taken after the fact of discovery and embarrassment. It might be corrective, it might be responsive or reactive, but it is an assault on the English language to call it proactive. Meanwhile, nobody is speaking of the MIT president. Harvard had the chance to clean its Augean stables here, and nobody consequential would have complained. It would have received props, just as UPenn received. But instead, the powers at Harvard apotheosized President Gay with a poisoned cloak cover-up. As for Dr. Siegel's example of civil rights, he writes, quote, We defeated white supremacy and enshrined identity-blind principles of equality in the 14th Amendment and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, close quote. As William Buckley might put it, well, not exactly. We defeated legal segregation and improved race relations for a while. But I would put it that identity conscious principles probably are the coin of the realm more so today than at any time since about 1970. I give you as but one example of tens of thousands, Claudine Gay's entire career and survival of the past two weeks. The thing is this, leftism, Marxism, they are hardened and tough ideologies. They stand for things and they have attraction when opposed by no equally hardened competition in the world of advocacy, ideas, or attraction. And we have been hell-bent on attenuating the counterpoise. When hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go became successful and then endemic, we smashed a bottle. And it is damned hard to put a genie back into a broken bottle. It is difficult, awfully difficult, to promote and expect attraction to 
a nullity. America was born in 1619 because slavery and evil, not 1776 because freedom and equality. The West is a systemic effort of immiseration and discrimination. Capitalism is a form of violence. And our country today is systemically racist. That's the world. That's the world professors give us. That's the world high school teachers give us. That's the world elementary and middle school and kindergartners teach us. That is the world the journalistic community teaches. That is the world of corporate America. Young people want to fight for something, to join a cause. They need strong horses. That's why they join gangs or scouts or the military, especially if there is little in the way of family structure or civilizing and powerful adjuncts like church. And oh yeah, family formation, marriage, and church attendance happen to be hmm, at all-time lows as well. You see, there was a massive lab leak in this country, far worse than anything that came out of Wuhan. The notion that the toxic ideas of Marx and Gramsci and Marcuse and Fanon would stay in the ivory towers and not travel with those it infected once they left them was wrong. It took about a generation, but that lab leak affected our brains and not our lungs, which is why it was or is more toxic than anything out of Wuhan. The popularity of self-declared socialists in elected government has been with us for a few years now. It was nowhere to be found a decade ago and would have been shocking had someone adumbrated it. So, too, all the pains to Marxists and Marxist thought and everything from the New York Times to the Cartoon Network to Teen Vogue to the halls of Congress and the U.S. Senate and sometimes strong candidates and candidacies for the presidency. Those quote-unquote terrible consequences young people are supposed to see, per Dr. Siegel, have been redefined as good things, desiderata, not terrible, for you see freedom has been redefined as slavery, just as war has been sanitized as peace or liberation, just as ignorance sure has become strong here. I hope not too strong, but Dr. Siegel is too optimistic. Just now, Anyway, I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Feel free to give us a call. Anything on your mind, anything you'd like to add or bring up, uh, raise, discuss, debate, advice you want. We give advice here, just not uh, the categories of advice we don't give is medical, legal, financial, I think we give every other kind, especially culinary. We give financial advice at the bottom of the third hour, Monday through Wednesdays. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't do it. Boy, this is cool what you got me. I want to talk about this. Maybe Sure. I'll, we can talk about it any time. I'll save it for the second hour maybe. Young David gave me something yesterday that is just fantastic. A December 1964 issue of U.S. News and World Report, Goldwater Speaks His Mind. You know, I'm going to get you, Mr. Shattuck, will come in tomorrow, hopefully, and see it. It's fantastic. And I hope he will uh, read some from it. Yeah, maybe he can get a reading from John Shattuck. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, boy, did you see this? Kamala Harris is now more popular <laughs> than Joe Biden. You seen this? 
Oh, my goodness gracious. Ryan King over at the New York Post. Americans may have found something they like less than a hypothetical Kamala Harris presidency. Four more years of Joe Biden. A new poll, a new poll out Monday shows the vice president's favorability rating inching above the commander in chiefs for the first time, as reports indicate going alarm inside the White House about Biden's prospects in 2024. The Monmouth University survey showed the 81-year-old Biden receiving just a 34 percent approval rating, the lowest in the poll's tracking of his administration down 20 points from its peak in April of 2021. It also has a 61% disapproval rating. Harris fares a little better. She has a 35% approval rating and a 57% disapproval rating, which are glowing compared to her boss. I don't know if anyone is truly less qualified to become the president of the United States, that is to say, occupy, sit in, be elected to the vice presidency of the United States. I don't know if there's anyone who's ever been less qualified than Kamala Harris. For all the jobs she's held on paper, she continues to fail in a northerly direction, hyperborealically. And without any accomplishments in any of those resume-building jobs, with an inability, seemingly inability, to handle any serious issue with the seriousness it deserves, and sounds quite often far less eloquent than the president himself, who is, on a good day, aphasic. I heard uh, Mike Gallagher doing some of this this morning. I think um, I think it helps underscore a little of what we're dealing with. And it is with this understanding, this vision, to see what can be unburdened by what has been. Fair enough. But that phrase about seeing what can be unburdened by what has been, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been, you know? What can be unburdened by what has been? 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 What we can see, what we believe can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been what can be unburdened by what has been what can be unburdened by what has been it's about 10 more examples of that mr bill's jaws on the floor you've never seen or heard that before each and every one you saw the video each and every one of those is a different instance i I can keep going who we can be She can do it with a smile. She can do it with a serious wagging finger. She can do it with any number of reprimands. She can do it with cheer. She can do it with delight. Um, For me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. I think we have to work on seeing ourselves so that we 
so that work has to start with us. You can't look to be seen outside of yourself. You can't look to be seen outside of yourself. That is the constant work that each of us has to do to change the loop in our heads about not mattering. We have to rewrite that story. This is not Kamala Harris. This is the former first lady. The point is, we just accept this drivel. We just accept this incomprehensible jabber. And, and and give it the approval of nodding wisdom and depth and its sheer idiocy. What the heck does she even mean when she talks can about... Be unburdened by where we have been and unburdened by where we are right now. What can be unburdened by what has been. What, 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 does, that, what does that mean? You can't look to be seen outside of yourself. What does that mean? Come on, Mr. Bill. You gave me these lines from the book. You read the book, so I didn't have to. They're not alone. Make fun of Marianne Williamson for her... um, I guess profession, writing style, perhaps erstwhile speaking style. It's unfair to her. She doesn't talk with as much garrulousness as that. The prairie wisdom that we get from the Johnsons in Blazing Saddles. Marianne Williamson is damn articulate compared to all that. But that's more popular than the President of the United States? What does that tell you? Mr. Bennett used to uh, put a regular book out, Leading Index of Cultural Indicators. We need a failing index of cultural indicators. We're failing. And calling it eloquence and intelligence and it's sheer idiocy that they've seized onto. The repetition of it is almost the sign of some kind of intellectually diminished perseveration. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com, and he brings us our culture and economy update. John, you old softy. Yes. You sent me a piece called The Psychology of Money and Emotion. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. How to make better financial decisions, markets and emotions. Um, talk to me. Well, you know, I think part of our business, myself personally as an advisor to my clients when it comes to their money, is is – it's there's a lot of psychology involved in it because it's very difficult. I always tell people, hey, I understand it's your money and you get emotional about it. Um, and me looking from the outside in, it's a little bit easier, right? Because it isn't my money, but I'm looking at it from a perspective of trying to help my clients grow their funds, their net worth, so that they can retire conflict comfortably. Um, but when major events happen or even minor events happen, 
um, I can usually work my way through those without, uh, you know, too much difficulty. But some people get very emotional about it because they're fearful of losing their money and ultimately not having enough once they retire. And I think of, um, you know, one of the things I think that that maybe I am, number one, is I'm a happy person. And I'm very optimistic about things. I always think there's a there's yeah, a you're way. one of the happiest people I know. I can validate yeah. this intuitively. So there's a way to get through yeah. whatever mm-hmm. the issue yep. is. Yep. I'm I'm actually going to keep that in mind more when I when good I, when my no. problems come up. I think I mean, that's I, great. To, uh, I'm, I'm going to be bothering you, is what I'm saying. I'm going to be calling. Okay, you just call me anytime yeah. okay. if you need to be, you know, brought brought yeah. back yeah, yeah, from, yeah, the, yeah. No, from the depths I'm, of whatever. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, so I think that attitude, having that positive attitude, number one, even if the markets aren't doing well, and even if maybe things don't look the best, having an optimistic view, knowing that there's a there's a way. Uh, to make things better is, is important. And it's it's been proven, I think, too, with medical uh, treatments, right? Yep. People who are positive about it, it's amazing what the positivity can do yep. uh, versus people who are negative. Yep, yep. Anatomy of an Illness was that famous book uh, by Norman Cousins on that um, mm-hmm. and how he treated himself with just that kind of thinking. Um, we are told that it's a bad idea to base a lot of decision or important decisions generally it's a bad mm-hmm. idea to base them on emotions. But as it turns out, according to this, um, about 40% of the value an advisor provides their clients can be emotional. Yeah, it and, is. And Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, oftentimes when I, uh, you know, I meet with clients for maybe a review of their accounts, maybe, you know, last year, 2022 was not the best year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were feeling a little bit down about that. And certainly I can understand that. I mean, even looking at my own uh, portfolio, I was... You know, not too happy with mm-hmm, it, but mm-hmm. I, I understand that over time, if I am comfortable and confident in the strategy I have, I believe things are going to get better. And you know, here twenty twenty three turned out to be a uh, a pretty good year. We see all of the indexes, you know, getting back to those highs that they were, if not already breaching through them, such as the Dow, S and P is very close, Nasdaq's very close to their all time highs. So uh, it's just time. I always say it's not timing. The market. It is the time Time in in the market. market. That I learned. Yes, and that is critical. And so, if you've got time on your side, that time horizon, uh, with a properly diversified portfolio, working with a good advisor, most likely you're going to have a successful outcome. Yeah, good. That's the key. Good. There's a there's a series of questions in this article. By the way, people can get it at Mm investor.vanguard.com. That are kind of interesting. The first one that. I'm guessing you do confront often someone who's, who asks or someone you might want to ask, do you hate losing more than you like winning? It's a question right. an investor may ask themselves. Do I hate losing even more than I like winning? I think I yeah. am one of those, by the way, if I'm not mm-hmm. exposing too much here. I think I hate no, losing, I, losing more than I like winning. Sure, that's very common. And the, the challenge is, is if you're – sometimes you hate something such as losing so much that – uh, you may not make a, a good decision yeah, when it comes yeah, yeah. to investing. Right. Right, because right. you may say, I, I just can't, uh, you know, think of the uh, the possibility that I might have less money mm-hmm. next year than mm-hmm. I do today. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about, but will I have more money 10 years from now when I'm going to retire? Yeah, no, right? I think, yeah, go ahead. I, so, I, I think that's hugely right. important. I was going to yeah. say, you know, whenever I have expressed this with a friend who sees the world much like you do, I have discussed with, she will often say, 
look for what you want as the win here. You know, you may mm-hmm. hate losing more than winning, but, you know, right. there is a reason you got into whatever it is you're into. Yeah. What is and the there's win? a lesson, right? Yeah. There's a yeah, lesson yeah, yeah, yeah. in there's everything. There's a lesson and a win. Yes, yes. And I think there's many out there who, you know, very successful people that have failed many, many, many times before they ultimately succeeded. Nicely put, sir. And that is important. Thank you. Never give up. All right, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Of course, Christmas is coming. We wish all of the listeners out there Merry Christmas, of course. Uh, securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Cipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Talk you betcha. You bet. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Did you get that uh, Arturo Sandoval piece that I sent you earlier today? It's great. Mm, sorry, which piece? It's a piece I emailed you earlier this afternoon. It's a song. I guess I can't read. I guess not. <laughs> Welcome back. No, I didn't. Uh, I'll have to sample that one. Yeah, let's yeah. get that on there. Let's go to Mike and Carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. How, How's your day going? I'm fine. Merry Christmas. How are you? Good, thank you. I was listening to your uh, opening statement. I, I, I think that the thing that's not really emphasized enough is that we're really dealing not with uh, a view, but with uh, a form of mental illness. Okay. I mean, when you take, when you, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Yes. When you deal with a mentally ill person, the, the hallmark of that is they can't reason and they have <clears throat> a delusional view of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll see a hand and say, I have two hands. Right. And and you have in our educational system, um, to, you, to quote uh, Kamala Harris's Venn diagram, yes. uh, you have a combination of Stockholm Syndrome mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, the woke ideologies where you rename every word. Yes. And the communist protocol that are brought in. And, and then the allegory of the cave. Yes. Where you have these people. And, and the summation there is you're, we have, they're forming uh, a, a group of people that are mentally ill. I mean, they're, they're not accepting the best and the brightest. They're legacy admissions, and they are uh, qualification admissions in the schools. And the, you, you look at the qualifications of Ms. Gay, and, and this is not a rocket science. No. You know, to start with. No. And and so, consequently, the, the upshot of it is normally you have in a population a stable number of about 5% of the people that are mentally ill. But these people are coached to being mentally ill. They're, they're, and, and, they're and, to, and to call it normal and to normalize it. Exactly. What we're doing is normalizing and, and that. Then cri- the and, and, and then quasi-criminalizing, certainly sanctioning those of us who don't buy into it as if we're the nuts, as if we're, as, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an inmate having taken over the asylum situation closely wedded to your Stockholm syndrome, probably. Um, there is yeah. that, isn't there? The cave allegory is a perfect one. You know, when those who left the cave, Plato's cave, and saw the light and it took a while for them to adjust and then wanted to go back in and tell their erstwhile cave dwellers about the falsehoods they've been looking at, the cave dwellers want to kill them. That's the first instinct. The cave exactly. dwellers want to kill the enlightened, so to speak. And we have children that have gone through the entire educational system. 
that have spent it in the in the cave. Yes, correct, correct, correct. And when you tell them how it is, they want to kill you, or condemn you, they're, or they're call like you mentally disturbed. It's almost an abuse of psychiatry in reverse, almost. Exactly. It's they're like a patient in the emergency department with a tinfoil hat saying they needed to keep the FBI from reading their mind. You know, there are so many examples of this, and we foist it on our youth. We encourage it. We inculcate it. The gender wars are are amongst one of the worst examples, but one of the most fundamental ones as well, Doc. You know, it is so sad to see that we are— Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a completely delusional state. Yeah. To say that you are transsexual is one thing. To say that you have a vagina and you're, and and it's a penis is is delusional. How about to say you're a leaf? How about to say you're a leaf? Right, exactly. It, it, it's it's like saying, the miracle well, I, of the I'm, noun. I'm the miracle of the noun, which is allow, which is what allows civilization to happen, and for conversation to take place, has been um, has been has been so attenuated, it's been destroyed. We can't even have the co- same conversation. We don't even know what a leaf and a man is anymore, a human. Uh, words mean what I want them to mean yes. no more and no yes. less. Yes, yes, yes. It's exactly that, and they, mean their o- and they can mean their opposites, yes, through the looking glass, or they can mean their opposites, as in 1984. Yeah, no, that's so, why I, mean, that, I, I that, ended uh, my monologue uh, with, a, with a, uh, a tip of the hat to that when I was simply saying... Um, uh, freedom has been redefined as slavery. War has been sanitized as peace or liberation, and ignorance has become awfully strong around here. When, when you, what surprises me is when, when I was young and I went to universities and, and meetings with with people with doctorates and so forth. I was always impressed with how erudite, yep, how, how intelligent and yep. their, great Same. their reasoning was. Same. We were very but credential and awestruck, weren't we? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And because, I mean, because they, they, they brought up things that I had never thought of. And they were they went through real schools and got real degrees, I, most of them in that era. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, when I when I went to start a med- medical school, before medical school, to get a Ph.D., you had to speak it in two languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But these people, I mean... These people haven't mastered English. No. No. And 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 then they're they're plagiarizing, you know, uh, and 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 they're considered scholars and leaders. Don't you like that she's I mean, proactively correcting these journal articles? Don't you like the use of the word proactive? She's proactively correcting them. Proactively. Well, yeah. <laughs> proactively. <Probably laughs> after after that, fifty after fifty accusations. <laughs> The person who wrote him is proactively yeah. doing it. The sad part is she's, she's not even smart enough to get somebody who's smart to write her, her papers for. Well, it's odd because it seems to me that it's so easy to find plagiarism, you know, to attempt it in the 1970s or 1980s is very different from attempting it in the 90s and aughts. It's a very different thing. It shows you. It shows you a pathology, almost a pathology, a weird pathology. Like you won't get caught, or if you get caught, it won't matter. That's maybe what she knew. Didn't Joe Biden get caught several oh my, times? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. He almost got thrown out of law school. Yeah, 
Yeah, and well, he got, he did get thrown out of a presidential race. You remember his speeches were plagiarizing uh, Neil Kinnock, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe Bobby Kennedy was the other one. Yeah, yeah Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, Robert Kennedy. I got to play you some audio of his the, the son. Boy, the Kennedy name it still looms large in the Biden constellation, doesn't it? It's 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 well, it's, 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 it's nipping Bobby, at his heels Bobby, again. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is is um is uh, I mean a little off at the in the weeds and so forth, but he's probably the most reasonable, intelligent person in the bunch. In this Democratic Party, you bet. Yes. Yeah, I, I I should say so. I can't think of anyone saner, even though I grant that there is some insanity. Yes. <laughs> yes. I disagree with I disagree with a lot of the stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. But insanity the, was unfair. Green, I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said insanity. Yeah. But the, uh, the Green New Deal is, is again a religion and it's a hysterical correct, religion. Correct. It might even I mean, be a cult. You probably agree to the correction of, of yes. calling. It. Yes, yes. Well, I, I would offer the same thing about radical Islam yes. is is is, yes. is is not really a religion but a political ideology. I think that's right. That's what we would call it, uh, Islamism, for example, uh, or political Islam, uh, for example. Um, You bet. Hey, Doc, Merry Christmas if we don't talk between now and then. Be right back. Run, run, reindeer. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps people? Y-Refi has that. You can earn up to 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi. It's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You are in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. Think of that flexibility. There are absolutely no fees, and there is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. You, of course, get a monthly statement. It will come with no surprises. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio. may very well be a better option for you than where you have your money now or even some places you may have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hi there, Seth. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, and uh, sounds like you're having a good day. I am uh, calling to express my appreciation for the way that you opened your show today with that prayer. Oh, thank you. And also to express that I believe it is very appropriate from this standpoint. The ideals and goals that you expressed in your prayer used to be pretty much understood by all of us, by everyone. But nowadays, they aren't. Yeah. And yeah. They're not mainstream anymore. Yeah. And above all, expressing the acknowledgement of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know... It, it fits into so many problems, you know, that I did go on, on to talk about in the monologue, about you know, what young people need, what they want, what they crave, and um, if certain organizations can't suffice, there were always things like family and church. Now, the organizations are corrupt, and family, family association, family cohesion, family composition, and church are at its lowest levels, I believe, in American history right now. 
Yeah. Um, so we don't even have the crutch. Crutch is the wrong word, and you 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 know what I mean by that. We don't even have the, the other. Yeah, the other ballasts. That's right. Yeah. We don't even have the other the other the other auxiliary auxiliaries of life that usually keep us on the straight and narrow. Am I theolo- You're a man of the cloth. Am I am I theologically correct that kindness and love are two of the things God wants most from us? I think absolutely. so. Okay. I absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I wanted to make sure That's it was sound. repeated. Many times in, in the scripture, Good. And, but the, the you know the thing that I really w- wanted to focus on yes, is uh, the proverb that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, and if you take that understanding of God and His presence and uh, His uh, our lives being based in His foundation, then everything else begins to fall apart. And I think that's what we have seen in our culture over the last uh, two or three generations, you know. And yep. you express it often, and thank God for you, Seth, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> because uh, without some voices expressing these things, uh, man, I, I really wonder where we would be. We're oh, bad enough you. shape as it is. Oh, but I think that prayer, just acknowledging God and acknowledging our purpose is very, very appropriate. So thank Bless you, you for Thank that. you. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.